Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This episode of Happy Hour is sponsored by Gold Star. Gold Star has a great selection of affordable tickets to all sorts of live events, including theater, with Broadway and Broadway national tours, concerts, comedy, dance, and more. The first 200 listeners who use the promo code HAPPYHOUR, one word, all caps, will get $10 off their purchase at goldstar.com backslash happyhour or using the Goldstar app. I'm sweating. That's because you just worked out and you ate three bananas. I know, it's also quite warm again. It was cooler earlier, but now for some reason that the sun has gone. Oh yeah, and you're in the world of no air conditioning, so... Yeah, I don't know how you survive. Degrees. That's not even that much, but it feels warm. Worth it. Anyway, right. It's gonna. I feel like I'm in Argentina. (laughs) (laughs) Will somebody get us another drink? Welcome to Jim and Tomic's Musical Theater Happy Hour, your weekly podcast with divas and daiquiris. Jimmy is trying so hard not to laugh into his microphone right now. (laughs) It was just (laughs) you were like. Uh, welcome to <laughs> right in there. It's like five a.m. in Scotland right now. Jimmy has it been may up as well be, for like a and... thousand hours. I've done a full day's work. A full day's work. That's like sixteen million potatoes in Scottish time, right? Was that offensive? Was that a time. was that a mildly racist joke? I don't think so. I just don't think it was applicable oh sorry sometimes i get bad jokes confused with racist jokes because there's not a lot of difference um yeah uh (laughs) hey speaking of racist jokes what are you drinking today god we're never gonna make it through this um what am i drinking today uh god i don't know the sweat of union workers (laughs) how's that for a start delicious (laughs) how about you um i think i think you can get like argentinian wine sure i think you can get any kind of like you can get like chilean chardonnay yeah you can probably get argentinian wine i don't know enough about wine like well chile and argentina are different countries yeah but they're not that far away they probably both grow grapes and drink I want to find out if you can get Argentinian wine. Give me a sec. Argentinian wine. Yeah. Easy. Done. Jimmy's going to wake up tomorrow morning with like a, an obscure package at his front door with like 12 bottles of Argentinian, of Argentinian wine that he accidentally wine. ordered off of Amazon right now. 
They apparently do a really nice Malbec. Ah. I love a Malbec. I don't know. I'm, I'm still sticking with my union worker sweat. <laughs> okay, you enjoy that. <laughs> That's actually quite nice, though. Like the social class. Yeah. I'm sipping my wine from the balcony, looking down upon you. I drink your sweat. As you're chanting my name. <laughs> I got to tell you about what they cheer at the gay bar when they play this song, but maybe that's for later. <laughs> Interesting. They don't play for my, me, Argentina. Well, guess what the musical is going to be in a second after we hit the quiz question. Um, right. But there's one point where they like zoom in and everyone. By the way, can I also just pause? Uh-huh. You realize to get to this episode, they've already read what the, the show is. Don't break the illusion for me. I've been living in the dark. <laughs> Enough. I've always wondered. <laughs> <laughs> there's one. Anyway, sorry. There's one point where they do like a crowd shot, and everyone's holding up banners, and they say Peron, and everyone in the bar goes Peron, Per. Oh no, it's backwards. First, they show them from behind, so they're all mirrored, and so everyone goes No rep, No rep, No rep, and then they reverse it, and it goes Peron because if you look at Peron backwards, it says No rep. It's much funnier yeah. in person. And then there's one point. Where they do a crowd reaction shot and they zoom in on my favorite character in all of the Evita movie, um, who's this really angry looking Argentinian man in the middle of the crowd during Don't Cry for Me, Argentina. And they cut to him for like half a second and the whole yeah. gay bar yells, I hate you, Evita. <laughs> and then they cut to the guy who plays Perone and everyone yells, I'll never work again. It's very funny. <laughs> wow. Great. Sidetrack. Mondays. <laughs> we'll see you there. Oh, man. So, Quaitman? Quaitman, what musical are we doing this week, Jimmy? Okay. <laughs> I can't even imagine what it could possibly... I think we've probably even said the title already. Um, two of the actresses who have played the title role in this musical have only ever had one conversation with each other. It went as follows. One actress said to the other, I'm taller than you. <laughs> That was my finest Madonna impression because the musical we're doing is Evita. I thought Patty Lapone said it to Madonna. No, Madonna said it to Patty. What? That's obviously. <laughs> no, it would be great if 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 Patty said that. I'm telling you. I I mean that's uh, why I picture it. And also I was I was sad because I know you do a better Patty Lapone impression. I do, I do. I want to kick it as a muted Evita, but that's fine. A muted Evita. A muted Evita. Um, so Evita, mm-hmm. uh, music 
by Android Weber and Ugh. book and lyrics, of course, by Mr. Tim Bryson. Sorry, something got caught in my throat in there for a second there. Um, Shockingly. It started off as a concept album in 1976, and then it had its debut in the West End in 1978 with Elaine Page and David Essex. You know who David Essex is? Yes, he uh, was the original Che in Evita in 1978 on the West End. <laughs> Do you know anything else he's done? Uh, he poops. no no don't you be looking it up. He poops. Jimmy sees me typing. Well, he has he been in Doctor Who? He looks familiar. Uh, I don't think so. Well, then I um, don't know. He's not a doctor. Um, he uh, have you ever heard the War of the Worlds? Uh, like uh, musical, I guess, kind mm, of. No. So. Well, basically, he sings in that. But there's, like, the story of War of the Worlds has right. been, like, scored and orchestrated. It's incredible. It's in the show notes already. Uh-huh. Um, and he sings in it. He's, like, a British rock singer. Okay. okay. But he's done a lot of theatre. He did Tommy, I think. Okay. That's a good choice. It seems he's Oh, he was in Godspell as well. You're looking it up now, too, and you critiqued no. me. No, I just know my facts. <laughs> <laughs> the shade of it all. Here. It's West End. I it's know West, West End. End. I don't know true. any of these other people that are coming yeah, up. Yeah, not Patty Lapone or Mandy Patinkin from the Broadway debut in 1979. <laughs> yes, indeed. No idea who they are. Um, and Evita kind of swept at the Tony Awards, did really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, got 11 noms, seven wins, including Best Musical. Patty, of course, won Best Actress. Mm-hmm. Brava. And then um, it was just very successful. And got a film made. I'm glad you put the very successful before the film. Um, and then it's you know it's been a it's been a stalwart in regional theaters, plenty of tours, and like totally. I feel like Evita has entered like exited the musical theater circle and entered popular culture. Like people, you mention musical theater and people know Evita in the same way that yeah. people know Phantom or Cats or any yeah. of the other Andrew Lloyd Webber stuff. Exactly. No, that's it. Like, you know, and it's not only do they know Evita, but they know Don't Cry For Me, Argentina, and they will sing you that hook. Yeah, like you know? fam- Family Guy can make an Evita joke and people will understand it. Totally. Um, and it, But it's interesting, though, because I think now what I would say is people know that Madonna was Evita. Yeah, which, you know, we can have mixed feelings about. Um. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, find that, I just find that quite interesting because obviously that was so late on in the game. Mm-hmm. Of Evita, yeah, uh, like it was already established and successful, yeah, super popular, um, and you know people would say, "Oh, yeah, Madonna." Right, it's interesting. Yeah, uh, the, what, these people—they uh, don't know what they're missing. <laughs> they don't. Um, so Evita, yeah, Thomas, I'm handing the reins over to you. <laughs> um, Evita is the um, moderately biographical story about Eva Peron, first lady of Argentina in the whatevers, the 40s, um, and kind of her, like a story of her rise to fame slash power, and it plays with some of how those things either do or don't go hand in hand, um, amidst a very divided and uprising-filled Argentina during that time, um, kind of commented on by this greek chorus character named che che guevara or not depending upon who you ask yeah like some interesting interpretations there um but a big discussion about like 
how does fame and politics interplay with each other? Is it okay if you sleep your way to the top or not? Yeah. Um, and and also just like, I don't know if honest is the right word, but like an attempt at an honest discussion of the actual person, Ava Perone, and yeah. her existence. And also kind of like uh, Lloyd Webber and Rice really got into this because they wanted to bring this story to a British slash American audience who might not have engaged with or experienced this story as distinctly as the Argentinian people have. Um, And so it's also kind of a discussion of that as well, too. Yeah, that was very good. Thank you. Thank you. That was great. Um, Yeah, well done. Shall we get into it? Yes. Yes, we shall. What if he um, said no? <laughs> no, and then just hung up. Do 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 do. Boop. Funny outro joke. End. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it. But when you act, the things you do affect us all. But when you act, you take us away from the squalor of the real world. Are you here on your own? Yes. So am I. What a fortune that coincidence. Maybe you're my reward for my efforts here tonight. It seems crazy, but you must believe. There's nothing calculated, nothing planned. Please forgive me if I seem naive I would never want to force your hand But please understand I'd be good for you I don't always rush in like this Twenty seconds after saying hello Telling strangers I'm too good to miss If I'm wrong I hope you'll tell me so But you really should know I'd be good for you I'd be surprisingly good for you I won't go on if I'm boring you But do you understand my point of view? Do you like what you hear, what you see And would you be good for me too? Weird thing, weird first thing that kind of popped to mind there That I wonder if you can have any sort of a uh, any sort of uh, resonance with mm-hmm. um, and it, it may seem really off chart but hopefully we'll be able to steer it kind of back okay um, Princess Diana okay uh, I feel like um, is in terms of like understanding the reverence yeah. that Argentinians had for Eva Peron um, I feel like it's something that the Brits yeah would completely resonate with with uh, Princess Diana. Princess Di. I feel that corollary. My my first introduction to uh, Princess Di. Uh, Princess Di. I almost says Princess Diaries, which would be wrong. Um, <laughs> was my grandmother got the commemorative Princess Di beanie baby when I was very young? Uh huh. Yes, I know it well. Um, which was my foray into that world. But this kind of the 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 association between like fame and you know royalty as maybe an umbrella term for like politics um and how they do or don't intersect in the 20th century um 
is a huge conceptual discussion in this show. Um, yeah. Princess I died definitely away in, and you know, based on what I've read, and we did. I worked um, Evita in college. I was on. I was a master electrician, and I ran the board, so I saw the show yeah. like fifty times. Um, but like a uh, uh, a huge discussion about the show is that like people in you know the more Euro Western crowd don't feel this way about Ava Perone or don't didn't know who she was mm-hmm. until really until this musical maybe not as acutely um I'm probably assuming some things from my Amero Eurocentrist perspective <laughs> yeah, there but I, I mean mm-hmm. I, I don't know what were, you, what were you gonna say well I was just gonna say obviously and I'm just taking this straight from the musical but in Rainbow Tour yeah when she does the European tour she doesn't make it to the UK but I know that Argentina and the UK had a lot of relations mm-hmm. um and so i imagine we would be aware yeah um, and because we do have our own royal family mm-hmm. i know that um obviously perone wasn't in the royal family but it's almost that that can like that kind of reverence yeah where it's like you're kind of beyond politics yeah yeah do you know what i mean you're just this other kind you're, of thing you are you are to. an icon in kind yeah. of the purest sense yeah so and, i can imagine i can imagine there being some some resonance here and also obviously just for us yeah it was directly post-war mm-hmm. um so kind of coming out of that and looking you know i mean looking to this kind of positive beacon yeah i can see yeah there being some some resonance yeah. there um but obviously i imagine it, you know in <clears throat> like they say in rainbow tour uh in spain mm-hmm. she was really revered yeah Italy, not so much. Um, but so uh, yeah, I think it, it might just be an it, American thing. Yeah, but it, it is like the if you haven't seen Evita or haven't you know only listened to it but haven't dove into it too much. Yeah. One of one of the big huge discussions of it is kind of this like I say political revolution, but not in the way that it comes off. But like revolution in politics that we've mm-hmm. kind of seen post World War Two. Um, and the kind of like cult of personality, and these are vast assumptions across all sorts of world political venues. But like, at least in Argentina, this musical showcases a big shift from like a series of dictatorships that were kind of in charge of Argentina, and kind of this like war-driven, violence-driven politics. Right? Yeah. Like one person takes control from another person, takes control from another person, always through force, always with guns, and. Then in comes Eva Peron, and at least as painted in this narrative, she kind of is a woman of the people, and like yeah. you know, it's it's flowers, not guns, and she wins people over with kindness and understanding, at least overtly. Um, yeah. And it really, and lots of money. yeah, and lots of money and plenty of corruption. Like, don't get me yeah. wrong, this is not all sunshine and rainbows on the inside, um, mm. but it is. I would say an interesting discussion we've an interesting conversion that happened in the 20th century kind of like post World War 2 across the world even in yeah. countries that like to peg themselves as more democratic um yeah. but that we kind of move into this like social eye politics 
Like, yeah. I'm not just in charge of running the country and, you know, knowing the right people to be friends with and knowing the right people to kill to get who to get what I want. But, like, mm-hmm. I'm in charge of looking nice and saying the right things and being at the right photo ops and looking pretty. And, like, image starts to matter in politics yeah. a little more. Um, huge, gigantic theme in this musical. Um, Definitely. And, like, I can never... <laughs> Because I, you know, scoff whenever we talk about Andrew Lloyd Webber. I can never tell if it's intentional. Um, because it doesn't seem... I wish it was explored more. Um, it doesn't seem... You know, there's 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 not as much commentary about it as I want in the show. But maybe, right. maybe that's my own Lloyd Webber cynicism coming out. Well, no, I think a lot of the, t- a lot of the things they say... Um, just for reference as well, one of the... Um, place I've got most of my information about Evita was that it's a book called, I think it's called like The Life and Times of Android Weber mm-hmm. um, something like that it's, it's in the show notes but it, it, it tells you a lot about the conception of this yeah um, and I don't think they ever really wanted it to be political yeah particularly Tim Rice um, Tim Rice wanted to direct it was his initial idea and he wanted to direct it because he was just obsessed with her yeah um, it was kind of in love with her because mm-hmm. she was this this icon figure yeah um and then android weber came in and was like no she's like a horrible character like mm-hmm. she i can't get on board with this love yeah you know what i mean we need to show this this darker side yeah um and so i think their focus is is showing that character yeah and kind of the world that revolves around it yeah um I- I find I find that conflict really interesting because I do mm. think like if you ask me if I were directing the show or if you asked me to mm-hmm. find like the core conflict to bring out of this musical it's like yep. I want to give an audience poll at the end asking is Ava Perone a good person and get yep. 50/50 responses back like yep. the the huge question throughout the thing is like is is what she's doing right and wholesome yeah well it's, it's interesting because i don't think i would want 50 50 i think i would want 100 percent of people saying no really but yeah totally because it, it it's kind of the point yeah i mean okay I say, okay here's it, here, here's my argument the yeah. the show starts with her funeral um yeah and like we're given no specific reason like everyone loves her and mourns her deeply. And then the first like overt um, addressing we get is from Jay, who's like, she's awful. You know, she, the things Uh she did were terrible. You know, a, a, a movie actress died today. And why is everyone making such a hubbub? And so we start off with like this given assumption, like, look at this awful person. Um, And like, kind of are wound through this super problematic don't get me wrong like woman finds her power and sleeps her way to the top and uses it to both affect her own situation and maybe the situation of people similar to who where she came from um but at what cost through what corruption through what you know frivolity she um diverts to herself are is this good or bad um like that's at least where 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 my conflict comes from. I find it interesting that your you your reaction is like I want people to think like no, Evita's not a good person. 
Yeah, well, she's not. Um, like, it, I think the one of one of the biggest ones that always comes out for me is um, "Don't Cry for Me, Argentina." Uh-huh. Uh Specifically in the lyric of that, mm-hmm. um, because if you really like, it's one of those things. Like, I've been singing "Don't Cry for Me, Argentina." for so long Mm -hmm. but only since becoming an intelligent human being i was (laughs) trying to really think about what i'm saying right and she's basically being like i used to be poor but i really wasn't into that Mm -hmm. so i'm really rich and fabulous now and i'm not really gonna apologize for that that's what the song is yeah (laughs) like it it, 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 do you know i mean so and yet they're lapping it up because it's like, oh my god, yes, you're so glad, like, right? You, you know but what the I mean? but so the alternate reading is like, don't cry for me, Argentina. Like, I never left you. Like, I I look as opulent as and fantastic as I am right now, and then it becomes the democratic ideal. Like, and so can you. Like, that's in a new Argentina. Like, who who could lead the people but Perón if yeah. he like. How could he love me if he's not that kind of person? So I think this is an interesting plot point. And I actually, I personally think this is intentional. Yeah. So she sings Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. All you have to do is look at me, see how gorgeous I am to know that this has worked. Right. Um, the song ends. Um, then she comes back out after getting lauded mm-hmm. and then she delivers the speech yeah yeah and the speech is is very much being like i've got this and you can have this too and it she doesn't do it initially that isn't her initial intention yeah she gets pulled back out and kind of does this adulations thing because it's like a reactionary thing yeah but in no point not until um push comes to shove uh-huh does she actually offer that to the people with the money comes the money keeps rolling in. True, true. Like, so I, I really think there's. I think it's. I think uh, she is crafty. I think like she's it's one definitely of those things. Crafty. It's, yeah, it's. I'm not saying um, she's evil. I'm yeah. not saying that. But I think she knows what she wants, and she will do anything to get it. And she, I mean, she says it herself. Yeah. Um, in the finale. Uh, which basically says that, like, I chose to live fast and die young, yeah, as opposed to having time. True, yeah. Um, and she's she's always that's. I mean, that's kind of where you have to give her a plot. It's she she never really hides away from that fact. She's always very upfront about the fact that, yeah, I know what I did. Yeah, I'm not going to apologize about that. Yeah, it's interesting. I think this is why this musical has. This is the the core of it that's become so successful is that it yeah. is this conflict that exists even even more so than the music. Um, <laughs> I need a fan. <laughs> um, Why do you need a fan? What are you fanning yourself? Because I'm throwing shade. Oh, I see. The proper response to throwing shade is to clack that fan. I think you thwarp a fan now. We thwarp a fan. I'm behind the times. I just downloaded Fallout the other day, and I'm like so old now. I don't understand. What's that it. got to do with anything? I just, <laughs> Fallout. We're ta- yeah, we're talking about like not understanding the youth of the nation, whether they're gay or they play Fallout, because these are mutually exclusive groups. Do the um, youth even play Fallout? I think oh, they mean Fortnite. 
I do mean Fortnite. Oh no, I'm old. Ah! I'm keeping that in. I'm keeping that in. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was like, Fallout? I mean, oh, like, they may have no. released a new expansion, like, last oh, year, but. No. Oh, that's so bad. You're an old <laughs> man. You'll think it's strange when I try to explain how I feel. But I still need your love after all that I've done. You won't believe me. All you will see is a girl you once knew, although she's dressed up to the nines at sixes and sevens with you. I had to let it happen. I had to change. Couldn't stay all my life down at heel. Looking out of the window, staying out of the sun So I chose freedom Running around Trying everything new But nothing impressed me at all I never expected it to Cry for me, Argentina. The truth is, I never left you. All through my wild days, my mad existence, I kept my promise. Don't keep your distance. And as for fortune. And as for fame, I never invited them in. Though it seemed to the world they were all I desired. They are illusions, they are not the solutions they promised to be. The answer was here. One of the things that I think would improve the story, or would certainly um, uh, make it less ambiguous as to who she was, uh-huh. is um, I don't think they go in hard enough on uh, the the this dark side of her character. Yeah, it's it's there. Yeah, if you really look for it. Yeah, um, but you can kind of get swept up in the rainbow. In the alongside rainbow, all of the in the fur, as well. in the yeah, um, 
one of the things I think that they kind of almost missed a trick on, they, they, they start to get there, uh-huh. um, is to do with her death. Yeah. Her okay. death is fat. So um, it, the, the show ends with Mandy um, Patinkin, I just say... Uh, I mean, it's basically Mandy Patinkin's show. Mandy Patinkin, or Ricky Martin. Yeah, yeah. Or David Essex. I guess it could be lots of people. All three of them. No, probably not all three Colm of them. Wilkinson. Nah, I don't know about that. Right? Um, anyway, <laughs> Shay, uh, saying like they um, managed to build the pedestal, pedestal, but then her body went missing for 17 years. And you don't really find out anything that happens about it. Now, it would, I can understand that as a writing point of view, mm-hmm. kind of going into what happened post-death right. isn't useful like, or anything kind of done yeah but what it does kind of give you if you find out the story is it shows you this the like fallacy of it all mm-hmm. and that it all kind of meant nothing yeah. um which would add this kind of yeah. darker tinge so basically um so she was embalmed uh and basically uh when i think it was like really shortly after um Piron got like overthrown mm-hmm. uh or something i'm not 100% sure uh but basically oh it was in 1955 mm-hmm. yes yes that is exactly it it was embalmed it lay there for two and a half years then in 1955 Piron was ousted mm-hmm. um after a coup and uh the corpse was excommunicated mm-hmm. uh nobody knew what to do with it yeah because they didn't want to bury it. Right. Um, so a guy called Antonio Aranda, who I think was a like high up person in mm-hmm. Peron's world. I'm not yeah. 100% sure who he was. Uh, he kept it in his bedroom oh. with his wife. Oh. Uh, and he basically slept with a loaded pistol. Wow. Um, to protect it because it, it obviously was a, an icon. Right. You know what I mean, now like... that she was a corpse. Yeah. This was like a tool yeah. to like, be used. Hu- hugely important in a bunch of different ways from a bunch exactly. of different perspectives. Yeah. Totally. Um, and so he, awful, like I can't, this, this, isn't, this is real. Um, he shot and killed his pregnant wife when she was heading to the bathroom because he thought she was an intruder. Wow. Um, oh, gosh. Yeah. Uh, then the corpse got moved again. Mm-hmm. Um it was kept in a storeroom in a box that was marked like radio sets wow. or something. Yeah. Um, then uh, she it got given to, I think it was like an Italian widow. Uh-huh. Um, and they gave her like another name. Uh-huh. Um, and then she eventually got buried with Peron once he died. Yeah. But it's just this, this idea of like this thing, you know, the, the thousands of, people who came to right over her her body yeah she gets reduced to being in a storeroom somewhere right how your how your story changes once you're no longer a part of it exactly um no i'm i'm no dramaturg right i'd find that quite tricky to work in but it 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 adds that quite moralistic aspect to it yeah of and it's just it is quite just interesting in, in the real world i guess yeah um that this happened and that yeah. She led this life of such, yeah, 
hedonism and glory yeah for it just to be reduced to radio sets yeah when it does like put in you know the musical doesn't quite play up it's the capability it has in the unreliable narrator battle Mm. who do you believe do you believe shay do you believe ava yep throughout the whole thing and like that's why waltz between ava and shay is i think fabulous piece of musical theater yeah definitely. you know it's a wonderful thing to build to they haven't acknowledged each other basically the entire show until this moment where they have a dance mm-hmm. with each other um and like to see you know how who who wins the what story we're telling battle yeah no i'm excited for you to direct this show in the future thanks it's 100 percent going to happen yeah I direct the, so much nowadays the scottish premiere of Evita. No, it's currently on tour with Marty Pello. That sounds like a cleaning product. Uh, he was, at, weirdly, coincidentally, in a uh-huh. band called Wet Wet Wet. Hey, maybe he is a cleaning product. <laughs> he probably is. I wish he was. He's awful. Um, <laughs> that's, yeah, Bill Kent. Oh, well, so we'll talk about Bill Kent right at some point. I'm excited. Now is not the time. Anyway, let's keep sitting on controversy. Yes. Or controversy. I think that's the one you say. That is what Um, we say. Because you Brits like to add extra letters, but that's fine. (laughs) Yeah, that's what we like to do. (laughs) Say the English language is supposed to be said. Um, Yeah. So, you've got some points here. Mm -hmm. That Jim Atomic Staples, let's discuss. So... This musical is written by Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice. Jimmy, I don't know if you know this, but neither of them are from Argentina. Yes. And there's like, Ava Perón as as like a person is already kind of controversial in Argentinian history, like without the musical. Um, for some of the reasons we've talked about already, but I, I wonder about, there's a lot of writing that like, this is a, a, a colonized reconstruction of Argentinian history by two European white men. Um, I wondered how you felt about this and I wonder like where we draw the line because plenty of people write musicals about things they don't know. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, when does that become not okay? Um, Yeah. Because, like, certainly, you know, I don't have maybe the the specific evidence to back it up, but I would wager Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice did their research in this show. Um, Like, they didn't just wing it. Yeah, Tim Rice has been researching it for about five years. Yeah. So, like, it's not like this is a careless representation. Yeah. but still, there is – this is – I mean, I felt – when I wrote this in the show notes, I felt like I was playing the Jim and Tomic's Devil's Advocate because all the time yeah. we fall into the like, well, it's not their story. How dare they, right? Yeah. How dare they appropriate this topic? Um, and I don't know how I feel about this one. I, I mm-hmm. legitimately don't. I'm right on the fence. And like, I don't know, worried that I might be wrong or worried that like – like on the one hand – I do think it's kind of offensive and see the kind of like white chauvinistic Eurocentric lens that Rice and Lloyd Webber have painted this musical in and can mm-hmm. see the problems that already has created the like, I don't know if it's a TV tropes term, but the kind of like 
feminine Latino whore hero, pardon all my terminology, but like the like use your body to get what you want. And like, while I do think there's power in that, I think there's less power in that when it's written by two white men. Um, yeah. But on the other hand, there's a big bent towards this. Like they're, you know, bringing, we talked about this in Heights, like bringing a story that certainly wouldn't have reached the audiences that it currently has yeah. had it not existed in this musical. And so yeah. I wonder like where... You know, tell me the answers. Where is that yeah. line? <laughs> so I'm going to jump in uh, with two gentlemen that we know and love called Candor and Ebb. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about this before in the Scottsboro Boys. Candor and Ebb, two white men. Yeah. Scottsboro Boys, an extremely important part of the black civil rights movement. Yeah. Uh, should they have told that story? Absolutely, because I would never have known about it right. had they not. Yeah, as would a lot of theatre goers. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like we said, then it's not even something that gets talked about in American curriculum. Yeah, exactly. This is very, very important. Um, and I feel like with Argentina, uh, it's it's a very difficult country. Yeah, and it's very because it's super nuanced. It's super new. It's um, it's 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 history is fascinating. Yeah. Um, and so deep and difficult. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's been war torn for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, the stability in those stable periods are still kind of like deep, and there's a you know, I mean, yeah. the reason that it's stable isn't necessarily a stable reason is that right like it, like their their stability might not have come out of the best of reasons but because of how like their average level is unstable there's a lot of uh joy is the wrong word but like importance placed on the moments of stability yeah exactly exactly um excuse me and you know for a lot of people uh Peronism was a positive thing. Yeah. Um and their lives at that time were made better because of it. Yeah. Um and then, you know, the next movement yeah. um in Argentina was the Dirty War, and that was one of the most horrific things that's happened on the earth. Um but yeah, I'd wager you don't know much about it. Nope. So uh the only reason I know anything about it is because of white people writing musical theatre. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to hit out with two musicals. Um, first of which, Cadre and Kiss of the Spider Woman. Mm-hmm. Fabulous show. Takes place, yeah, takes place during the Dirty War from inside a prison cell. And it's it's not really telling you much about the war, but you get a glimpse of the country at the time. Yeah. Like a slight I, glimpse of the it, country. In the same way, if you like Cabaret... And that that's like a pre World War Two view of Germany. Yeah, Kiss of the Spider Woman has a, has a similar vibe. Does that seem fair? Kind of, yeah, yeah. But I'd say this other musical, which is called These Trees Are Made of Blood. Yeah, I've not um, heard of this one. So you you absolutely won't have. Um, it was like an off West End uh-huh. uh, piece that one of my friends was in. Uh-huh. Um, and it's it's generally one of the best pieces of theater I've ever seen. Uh-huh. Like. I was so blown away by it for so many reasons. Um, 
so and, and I'm so I'm actually really happy I get a chance to mention it on the podcast because I've been like working out for so long uh-huh. how to do it. Uh-huh. Um, but this is this is absolutely perfect. So um, it's basically it uses the kind of candor and ebb framing device of uh, we're going to take a a method of performance mm-hmm. and we're going to tell a story through that. So they pick a. Um, quite similar to Cabaret, they pick a, a, a sort of nightclub setting. Okay. Yeah. Um, and there's a host, and he takes you through mm-hmm. uh, everything. And, you know, it's like you're in Argentina and everything's fun, isn't it? You're having a great time and it's all festive. Um, and then the, sl- the story just slowly but surely just starts to break down. Yeah. And you realize that this is a dark place to be. Yeah. Um, and you basically just start to learn about uh, this group of people called um, the disappeared. Mm-hmm. And it basically anyone kind of trying to protest against uh, the regime mm-hmm. or who, people who know people who protest against the regime would just be removed from society. Yeah. No questions asked uh, and killed. And um, these trees are made of blood. The musical ends uh, with basically the, the kind of back curtain drops and the whole of the backstage is just filled with the, the faces of these people mm-hmm. and there are so many and it's such an overwhelming moment because it's it's a story i knew nothing about right this is a genocide yeah and i knew nothing about it yeah and i was i was more just shocked at myself for being like i can't believe that i've got you know i mean gotten, gotten this, this far, far. And not even been aware yeah um of the extent of it yeah uh so to come back to your question yeah should people be telling this story if they're not from there yeah i want to say absolutely yeah um i I don't think Uh i don't think that counts for for every story right but i feel for this when it's something that is it's it's analytical yeah do you know yeah it's 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 very it's 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 taking a story yeah. or taking um, an idea mm-hmm. and really looking at it with a lens yeah. rather than just telling a story outright. Yeah. Well, and it, it does like we're that, you know, I'm preaching to the choir when I'm talking to you, but this is the mm-hmm. thing we love about musical theater is it, it puts that layer in between that lets you look at this kind of piece of history with a lens. It, yep. it becomes just a little more than factual like we're not it's not just a documentary about ava perone but Mm -hmm. it instead becomes this like emotional lens through which you are guided like this tour of argentinian history um and i do think so then i think this is where i'm i'm thinking this up in my brain right now so who knows how accurate it is but these trees are made of blood your description of it made me think about this i wonder if Maybe this is why I'm a little more unsure about Evita. And I think one of the things that actually I like a little bit more about the movie than it as uh-huh. a stage play, that the movie dives in a little bit more with some of the like absolutely gruesome and awful imagery of this portion of Argentine history. Yeah. Um, where it's a musical on stage, like you're not going to spend a lot of time showing a bunch of dead kids out in the street Mm -hmm. or a bunch of explosions Mm -hmm. at union rallies or things like that um and like 
for all of the movie's faults, it certainly showcased some of the violence a little yeah. more accurately, um, which I do think the stage musical is maybe missing a little bit. Like, I, if, like, we need to see, I don't know, both sides of the story. It sounds wanky yeah. to say, but, like, to for it to have the right emotional impact for what I want, that 50-50 audience reaction, you need to see more of the bad stuff that's happening while Evita's throwing money up in the air on her yeah. balcony, you know? Yeah. yeah, I would totally agree with that. Um, and I think... I think that's just a production point of view. To be honest, I've never actually watched the the recent Broadway mm-hmm. one with Elena. Yeah. Um, but I'm so I don't know if they they bring in any element of that. Yeah. But I think that would just take a smart director. Yeah. To yeah. bring in else because the thing is, I would argue that it's in the music. It's certainly in the music. I do think it do takes you know a I mean? director because that's the problem with the show is since it is an opera. And the, I've seen the script. There's not a lot of specific stage directions. Yeah, um, yeah. It takes a smart director. Like, our production in college was fine, but certainly not uh-huh. this. And I saw it on tour, maybe in high school. Um, yeah. I don't know what production birthed that tour, for it was just a choice. And, like, yeah. it was certainly moving, but doesn't, at least, neither production, at least to my memory, has that kind of, like... You know, like there, there needs to be in the show. I think a couple of moments of like absolutely awful, bloody death, terribleness yeah. um, that isn't quite explicitly written in. It's certainly not written out, but it yeah. takes it takes a strong director. It takes some intelligent and important choices um, exactly. to make that as impactful as it needs to be. Uh-huh. It's interesting because it's. Um... Like Hal Prince, we don't need to question that he's a good director. Mm-hmm. Um, he, if the the kind of slant he took with with Evita originally, um, was almost quite a Brechtian concept, like yeah. really minimal lighting, yeah. extremely minimal set, um, and played a lot of it out just out straight out front. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think obviously to kind of give this kind, you know, the stark political theater right. concept, yeah, there's something there, but. But what I would say is theater, musical theater specifically, um, in the late seventies, mm-hmm. is a different beast as to what it can be now. Yeah. Um, and so I do think, and it's one of those things as well. Now that Evita is so beloved, mm-hmm. it's kind of now I would say is the time to take that story and and to really dig into yeah. the meat of it because go we all it. know it. Yeah. We don't want to just go see another. Right. Peter, we want we want something new from it. Well, and I think that's something a a smart director could could do. I do I do wonder if Evita is entering this realm of like um, Les Mis problemicity, um, which is a word I just invented. Um, <clears throat> we're like, I don't think. Have you seen? There's a YouTube video. Maybe we'll find it for the show notes. I don't know if mm-hmm. I can find it again. Where it's like a daughter recording her mom and dad coming back from seeing Les Mis in theaters, and they're just bawling and they're uh, not crying because it's a sad story because it yeah. is a sad story but they're crying because they've been waiting so long to see Les Mis in theaters and they're like oh and then they started singing the song and then the flag and oh my god like just yeah. losing it with kind of the culturalness associated to it and you know I don't think average white suburban midwestern person who goes to see Les Mis in theaters is like yeah the 
minor French Revolution of whenever. Wow, they certainly fought for their freedoms. I feel yeah. so sad for the political things they were fighting for. They're like, oh no, Anne Hathaway. Um, yeah, and I think Evita, like this is this is the the tightrope to walk. Like, how many people see Evita and are like, oh, Madonna or Patti Lapone or whatever, and not like diving into this story. But that's what I mean. That's what it needs a director then to tell that story yeah. properly. Yeah. Do you know sure. what I mean? And to take it away from this is a star vehicle. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, I'm just showcasing. That's the thing as well is like, um, going from that, that opera album right. to putting that on the stage, I don't know how you do that yeah. because it's relentless. And yeah. It's all over the place. Yeah. Um, and so first of all kind of hats off to Hal Prince for doing that the first way but then um now that we know it and now that we've had the time to really digest the material and digest it as a musical yeah I think there like I just like I say is that you can get a bit deeper into it and you can yeah it around yeah. a little bit more yeah no I'd be I'm... interested to see it Do you yeah know I mean I really really and I wouldn't be it's one of those things I wouldn't go away being like, well, they've, they've just put... Because yeah. not way, like, some productions, they'll really want to hit into an issue right. that isn't really there. Not quite there, yeah. This would make total sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. Total sense. It, it's, I mean, it's amazing that Candor and Ebb and Cabaret keep coming up, but it feels like it needs that kind of Cabaret revival um, Alan Cumming treatment. Exactly. Like, what a great... Yeah, exactly. Just it's a great go reference. in on it. Totally. Um, you can do, you know, I mean, a really good reviver <laughs> uh, can can do that with a show, yeah, um, and, and and paint a new spin on it without really touching the material that much. Just yeah, really true. Just thinking I do, about I do feel, I do feel like that takes a bunch of artistic strength, though. Um, yeah, to like, you know, to like, to do Les Mis without a turntable, to like go in and mm. and like kind of because it's iconic like so much totally. of this show has just become its own piece of lore yeah. and history um and to like just not even open that book on rehearsal day and just be like nope we're starting again is yeah. like that takes a lot of strength as an artist and power and is important like i think that's a really important quality to have um yeah but not not one that we see in our industry a lot. I think a lot of times it's easier to fall into like, yeah, we're going to drop the chandelier on the stage again because that's what everyone's done. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um. So who knows? Is it you, director? I hope so. I let think us, it's him. Let us know. Or her. Yeah. And and send us tickets and we'll show up. Yes. And we'll give you a good report. Or I will. Tommy probably won't. No, because I'm mean. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Shall we talk about Android Weber? Ah, uh, again. pastures and thereby restore self-esteem. How can you be so short-sighted to look never further than this week or next week to have no impossible dream? Allow me to help you slink off to the sidelines. I'll pay your fair gift rich To witness me tackle the world's greatest problems From war to pollution No hope of solution Even if I live for 100 years There is evil Never around the men Just a stand of government Wiping certain 
Okay, so this episode is, of course, sponsored by Gold Star. Tell yes. me, tell us all about Gold Star. Well, so I'm looking up right here. Um, as you know, Gold Star has a bunch of tickets to live events, affordable tickets. Yep. Um, most of their tickets are uh, marked down from the original ones, and they have a bunch of regional tickets right here in Denver. Jimmy, I could go see Crybaby the Musical. Did you know that was a thing? I've, absolutely. You're talking to a big John Waters fan <laughs> right here. Or if, if I wanted to put my sports hat on, they've got some Rockies tickets too, and I could go to a baseball game. That I could tell you nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, if you uh, go over and check out goldstar.com um, or check out the absolutely free Gold Star app. Um, and if you are one of our first 200 listeners who use our, our promo code, Happy Hour. Uh, and then you'll get $10 off your purchase. And that's on the already marked down tickets. Yeah, a, a lot of tickets on Gold Star, about 50% off. And I see that here. And it just looks great. Look at this. I could that's go amazing. see Annie. <sighs> I would go see Annie. Yeah, would you? We'd like to thank you and your whore. <laughs> so great. Yep, so if you use the promo code Happy Hour, that's Happy Hour, all caps, one word, at goldstar.com backslash happy hour, you can get $10 off your first order. That only goes out to our first 200 listeners, so use it quick. Use it now. Run. Use it now. Run to your computer. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. So what I just want to say, surely you have to admit that this is his best score. I will say of Andrew Lloyd Webber's scores, this is the one I can listen to. Um, and even before, before I started going into it for specifically for this podcast, uh-huh. I I would have unabashedly said I like Evita. I yeah. since have going into it since in my old in my old age yeah. um, have found more things to like find problems with it that kind of swings the pendulum more towards meh territory. Um, uh huh. But I well, I don't know if I'd call it his best score. I I do think it is his most. I, okay, I don't say that as saying I think something else is his best score more than right. I say, like, exactly. I still find I, I would, that's a comparison. <laughs> yeah, I still find problems with this, and the problems with this I still think are like hugely problematic on a musical theater scale. I think this is his most listenable score. Um, 
I find fewer problems with this than I do his other musicals. Does that make it his best? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Technically, yes. Technically, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I, find... I just think that... Yeah. I just want to jump on that straight away in the fact that you say it's his most listenable. Yeah. Because it's like atonal to F and... It's... Not all of it. I don't. It's I don't ne- think it's so atonal. There's nothing atonal about what's This is when the podcast just devolves into I mean, yes, it is less atonal than Jesus Christ Superstar. That's not even true. That's not true. Like it's, it, this, and this is, but this is. I'm not saying this is a bad thing. I mm-hmm. think this is what makes it his best best score because it's so impressive. I do think it's impressive. I do think I do think it it borders on Sondheim esque in some of its. So maybe that makes it atonal. Um, the the problems I have with it on a score level, uh, melodically and like uh, longitudinally. Is that yes. like wow. there are like six melodies, um, and not in an into the woods kind of way where there are six melodies, but they're different every time you listen to them. But in a way where it's like there's six melodies, and who knows which one might pop up, and it doesn't really matter which one popped up. Like, I, they're not they're not no, themes. They're not. They are themes, but they're not. But they are. Let's take the ending, um, the very very ending. Okay. The last thing we hear is a almost reprise of. Uh, Rainbow High. Uh huh. This and it leaves you with this idea that it's just all about the glamour, and even in death, mm-hmm. she's just sit bathing in this glamour. That's one tiny example. Um, like they pick up. No, it's it's so smart. It's so smart. The theme. That's the thing, though. He uses the themes. Yeah. Really well. I and wonder. He introduces them. Yeah. At the right time to. It's almost like to remind you. I wonder if the difference is you have listened to it and I have seen it Um, because there are plenty of underscoring themes and not even my college production, but like the Uh touring production or even the movie. There are like some underscoring underscoring themes where they don't like they'll do the um, the uh, the what is it? The bourgeois themes have reached a pretty pass like that theme. Pretty lower yeah. class. Da, 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 da. Like, there's uh-huh. one point in the movie they do it. They did it really early, and I remember thinking, like, why is this happening? I know what this theme is because I know when it's going to come back later. But we're not talking about rich people. We're not talking about this like classist assumption. And this theme's like really one dimensional. Like, we don't, we don't. This song doesn't come back. Like, we don't reuse this. So why are you putting this underscoring in? I think it does come back in in Buenos Aires, by the way. But. Um, <sighs> Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know. I, I if I if I knew the bit you were referring to, right? I and I, and of course, to, I'm doing a bad job of describing it. Um, but I would. I just think, like, you need you need to give him his plaudits for this one because this is fucking good. Do like, I like and is is use of um, like uh, what are they called meter? Um, mm-hmm. is so impressive. It's it's like. It's not Wagnerian, but it's well, getting there. No, it's because <laughs> like, he didn't plagiarize this one. Um, but the, well, this is it though. Like, it, it, it's I find this I do find this quite fascinating because he, this is effectively his most original. Work. That's true. 
and it's in my opinion it's it is his best yeah. do you know what i mean and he's just allowed to kind of go with it so his dad helped him out with uh, <laughs> uh the orchestrations yeah um his dad comes from a much uh more classical background more um, more background background and um, <laughs> he was confused and then he was ashamed of me <laughs> yeah uh and then uh you know it was like here's some instruments uh from latin america that you could use to bring in the the yeah um but beyond that it's it's his it is fully original I yeah i've have i done have i ever told you my two andrew lloyd Webber conspiracy theories uh, potentially, and I've probably gone ugh, and rolled my eyes, but yes, go. Well, so the first is about the Cats VHS that Andrew Lloyd Webber hid in every teenager's drawer or gave to every teenager's grandma to give them for Christmas. Right, um, yes. I and how that, that has and brought Cats into the popular culture because Andrew Lloyd Webber was like, hmm, ha ha, this was... Or just because it's really, really right. good. Um, my other theory is that, like, Andrew Lloyd Webber, the person, is perpetually stuck in like a ratatouille style relationship with a cat who is like a musical theater writing savant um this is why a cat walked over his keyboard and deleted all of love never dies um and why he wrote the musical cats but like and why really andrew lloyd Webber's cat wrote the musical cats and like the adult the cat had in its life was andrew lloyd Webber and was like yes we'll make this relationship work a la ratatouille um right Catatui. Catatui. This is my theory of like why this one's the most original. This is the one the cat, like, you know, maybe it's an Argentinian cat, who knows? Like right. really dove in and was gonna write this one. And this is why Andrew Lloyd Webber plagiarizes sometimes, because when the cat can't get it done, Andrew Lloyd Webber, who knows nothing about music, needs to be like, uh-huh. Well, we gotta figure this out somehow, and then, you know, resorts to plagiarism. One hundred percent fact. You heard it here first. I think you're totally right. No, I'm refusing to hear it. Um, no, I just think it's it's just so well done. Um, a couple of other bits I want to kind of highlight just mm-hmm. for how smart they are. And this kind of brings in Tim Rice too, to be honest. Yeah. Um, with another suitcase in another hall. Mm-hmm. I find this song fascinating. Oh, it's great. Don't count on the movie representation either because... No, absolutely don't because it was ruined. Yes, 100%. Never also, watch it. Fast forward fun, it. Fun thing. Uh-huh. Um, do you know who plays Peron's mistress? Who? It is Andrea Kaur. You don't know who that is. Nope. But British people will. Um, From the band The Kors. Oh, Nope. You don't know the chorus. Nope, but I made a sound like I did. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, kind of like an Irish pop folk band. Why did they um, have her sing it? Because Madonna's a diva. A hundred percent. That was exactly it. But also, I'm just like, well done, Andrea Cor. I thought yeah. she did very well. I thought um, she did in that brief moment of not talking. very brief moment. Have you ever seen The Black Cauldron? Yes. A long time ago. Right? Um, do you remember the song, <laughs> On My Father's Wings? No. And I will fly on my father's wings. Okay. Is that nope. Andrea Kaur? That's Andrea Kaur. All right. The Kaurs, everyone. The <laughs> Kaurs. They're very good. Yeah. I'll stick some stuff in the show notes. Um. Anyways. Another Suitcase, uh, I think, is one of the most important songs in the show. Yes. And I think Madonna ruined it by singing it. Because the point is that other women are doing this. Well, k- kind of, yes. Which, Which, like... 
caveat, this is a, a man writing a woman's world. Like, I see a lot of problems here. But uh, for, for me, at least, I think as written, the fact that, like, this nameless other lady is yep. singing, like, well, you know, Evita Perón has surpassed me in this ladder of female hierarchy in Argentina in this time. And now I'm just another suitcase in another hall, but, you know, where am I going to? Don't ask anymore. Like, it, that, to me, like, that's that's a, a tip on the pendulum towards, like, sympathizing with Evita. Like, it is sympathizing not... Sympathizing with Evita. Oh, do you feel differently? Interesting. 100%. Really? Okay, tell, tell me... Tell me why you're sympathizing. No, you first. Okay, because it makes her not the only like certainly it is a bad thing she's maybe not bad but not the best thing she's doing in that moment like hey you know um what is it like go back to school you you play the part well i forget the specific lines but she kicks her out with some like real shady kind of you know poo poo um but then on a story level it shows that like this is how this world works for better or for worse for right or for wrong whether it's true or not but this world is filled with a bunch of these kind of women who are trying to get ahead in the world in their panties, like in the bedrooms of famous or influential or important rich men. And to me, that legitimized Ava's, Ava Perone's journey a little more. She's not just the like well, fuck it, I'm going to throw all of this under the bus and do with it. Like, this is this is the life. This is the world. Whether that's true or not, whether that's legitimate or not, whether that's accurately portrayed or not, I have lots of problems with. I really want to maintain that caveat. I think a lot of that comes from the chauvinistic, Eurocentric, white-centered person uh, that wrote this musical. But at least from a story perspective, it's why I think having another suitcase in another hall really being the only other female-led song it's like probably the second listed actress on the playbill for this show right whoever sings another suitcase another hall which is crazy for a two-hour show for one person who only sings one song um and why it's so important that someone else sings that song but why do you think the opposite why do you think it makes her worse because it shows you vita's character um so up until then uh You've seen her be like kind of like devious, uh-huh. but it's with all of these men who you don't connect to. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't. Uh, you don't care about. There's you don't bags. really care about exactly. Yeah. Um, maybe Augustine. Mm-hmm. You get a slight bit of sympathy for him, yeah, yeah. and he does kind of give her the warning, like your ambition. Um, but this is the first time you see her step on someone. Yeah. Yeah. And in that moment, it's like, oh, you have the ability to step on someone. And she doesn't do it in a nice way. She doesn't do it in a, I'm sorry, I need to do this. It's done in a, no, you get out now. This is yeah. my world. And it's yeah. horribly cutting. And you see that the real Ava Peron, because mm-hmm. um, Peron's mistress, who he kicks out, was or could have easily have been an Ava. The, yeah, she you know could have mean? been equally the working as class. In, right. Yeah, she could have been Ava Perone, basically. Absolutely. Yeah. And all she does is she just tosses yeah. her out 
and she's I... completely forgotten about. Yeah. And that's that's the thing. So in that moment, you get the whole story yeah. of Eva, uh, Perron's mistress. Yeah. Um, and that's all you need. And it gives you this, you get this like light, just like almost shining yeah. on Eva because you're like, you're someone to watch now. Yeah. It is and it's like anything she does after that, you always kind of remember how you got there. Yeah. I do. Huh. The question I have is like, this is maybe the one moment where we see Ava Perone step on someone else. There are assumptions throughout, right? But explicitly, we don't really see Ava pushing anyone else aside. We see plenty of the male-dominated world pushing other people aside. Like, there's whole musical numbers centered around it, right? And so Mm -hmm. I wonder if that's... To me, that reads as, like, this is the world. Like, we live in a world where everyone's shitty to each other. And I don't know. Somehow that lessens it for me in this Uh world, specifically. For me, I'm like, this is the thing that makes you realize that she's a bad person because... um, she doesn't push one person aside she pushes Mm -hmm. a whole nation aside do you know what i mean like she stands there on that balcony and laps it up yeah but whilst enjoying the fruits of everything she's not do you know i mean she's doing it she's only doing it for her own selfish gain the actress hasn't learned the lines you like to hear. She's sad for a country, sad to be defeated by her own weak body. I want to tell the people of Argentina I've decided I should decline all of the honors and titles you've pressed me to take. For I'm contented to let me simply go on as the woman who brings her people to the heart of Perón. Yeah, that's when she's about to die and she's been forced to make that statement. But, mm... but it's not that whole point. Like, that is the story. She has been forced to make that statement. She doesn't want to make that statement. If she could have her way, she would keep going. But she knows she's burnt out and that's that. And then she goes on to make the apology and lament. Um, No, sorry, the lack of apology and lament. Um, Everything she does, she does for pure pure selfish gain. And it's it's that kind of idea that it's like, it looks wonderful on the outside. And it's like, look at all of these people that you're throwing money at whilst the country is dissolving into a little sinkhole. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's yeah. the um, let them eat cake. You know? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. that vibe. Um, and she is loving because she is exactly where she wants to be. Yeah. I don't know. I've, I, you know, we'll never agree on this, but I do uh-huh. think it is a fascinating conflict. It speaks. Uh, I hate, I hate it also, by the way. But yeah, it's so really, much. really well written musical theater. I, I know, but that's why you me. hate it. It's because... not really well written. Some of it's so bad. A lot of things are bad. Yeah, um, but a lot of this is really bad. No, I, I actually just disagree, and I think you've lost this battle. Yeah, Away probably. with you. That's fine. Um, that's fine. Before before we leave the music, though, yes. Um, do you know the origins of "Don't Cry for Me, Argentina"? I do not. So let me find out where he was exactly. Give me a wee second. I've got it on my phone. So basically, um, when Android Weber came back to Tim Rice being like, no, you can't uh, 
you can't just make this a love story for Eva mm. Perón. She's a horrible person. Yeah. Um, he, uh, they basically got to work on, right, okay, well, what do we need? And they felt that they, and they needed a like, hook for the show mm-hmm. to get that idea and drive it in. Yeah. Um, and uh, Android Web was actually inspired uh, from when he went to see Judy Garland. Um, oh. In one of her last things, it was uh, she was doing a show called Talk of the Town. Uh-huh. Um, in what is now the Hippodrome. Uh-huh. Um, and so, yeah, she was near the end, like, drug-addled, um, like, pathetic, mm-hmm. uh, and very, like, you know... Like, hashtag pitiful, Judy Garland. Like, yeah. So pitiful. Um, and it got to... Uh, so, yeah, she showed up nearly an hour late, um, and then when she sang uh, Over the Rainbow... Mm-hmm. The crowd were like screaming at her in like derision, um, throwing stuff at her, uh, oh, wow. and she couldn't continue. Yeah, and she just went into her dressing room, um, and this was the the thing that kind of rang true for him. He was like, "This is what we need." Yeah, for Ava Peron, this woman who is just put out so much, and yeah. yet this, uh, this song about happiness and that is this that can be used as this moment of triumph right um then comes back to bite her in the ass and so yeah. that's what's so nice it's about like the triumph through pity yeah yeah and so the last broadcast mm-hmm. um it, that's what makes it so damn tragic because yeah. she had this moment this son and now she's just been forced to take all that away and decline that's... everything and uh mm-hmm. great segue uh-huh madonna does it beautifully Okay, we're going to talk about the movie. Are you in Camp Madonna? No, 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 not at all. Okay, thank God. I was afraid we weren't going to be friends anymore. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, the end. Um, (laughs) Do, 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 do. Yeah, no. No, 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 absolutely. The movie sucks. I watched it for the first time for this podcast. Had you seen it before? No, 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 this is my first time too. I've been avoiding it. Um, Yeah, like, well, as a... It's like a musical adaptation. It's not bad. I it's think not bad. It's as not a, bad. As a musical adaptation and as a movie, like if you, there are a bunch of like still frames you could take out of this thing that are beautiful. Yeah. Like I preferred it to nine. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. So it's um, um, Madonna and mm, Antonio Banderas uh, and whoever played Peron, Jonathan mm, Price, Jonathan Price. Not my faves, and there's only three characters in the show, so yeah, exactly. Um, well, actually, I, I thought Jonathan Price did quite well. Um, of of the three, he did the best. He's definitely got the best vocal. Yes, uh, but that to oh, give, it, uh, it just drove me nuts through the whole thing. Everything is like too dubbed. Like they'd like yeah, it's super not dubbed. not just Madonna and Banderas, but yeah. like 
random old people and you're like yeah, why do you have the, the voice of a 28 year old yeah like this i and think you can't Ugh. i think that's a proper sign of the times though because it was no, ni- it was yeah. you know the 90s the night like that and mm, lloyd weber's inability to resist putting electronic instruments into his musicals I like i really like the reorchestrations in the film <sighs> We might not be able to be friends anymore. We um, can't. Yeah, but I love electro shit. Like, yeah, it doesn't that, work for the show. It, well, it, it, I, the, the reason I love it is just because I'm like, yeah, eighties. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? That's just like I get that it's it's not necessarily, and that's a stupid reason, and we can get past it. That's fine. I just like that sound, so I'm like, <laughs> cool. Um, and it was refreshing. It was new. Um, yeah, like. Th- you have to again take your hat off to Antonio because he does like, a, he does a fine job. Yeah, this is stuff that is written that Colm Wil- Colm Wilkinson like Javert said. Yeah, yeah, like like that's this is hard, intense stuff. Well, and to like, there's all sorts of Hollywood scuttlebutt about this, but the gossip is also that a lot of this musical was also out of Madonna's range. It um, was taken down. Yeah, which like the whole gosh, thing was taken down. Just cast singers who can sing your music. Yep. Um, yeah, Write I mean, it in the, the sky. The casting for this show though was a farce. Oh, like God. the kind of journey to get this movie made is crazy. Like I feel like every director in Hollywood was on it at one point. Yeah. Um, the the closest person who was kind of like second, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, was Meryl Streep. And apparently she knocked it out of the park. I'm um, sure she did. That's. But the like... thing is, well, initially, um, initially, I think Tim Rice, the producer and the original director, wanted Elaine Page, mm-hmm. which, which makes you total know, sense. Would have been a more accurate decision because she can sing it. Yeah. Um, but I think just time got away from them. And she just wasn't involved anymore. And then once Madonna kind of came into the conversation. And Madonna was really passionate about herself being a part of it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, she showed up in costume to her first audition. Uh, which is like fair. But I'm she... having I'm having smash flashbacks. Can you call those smashbacks? Um, smashbacks? You absolutely can. We have coined right. a term here. Fabulous. Um, by the way, a lot of people do that. That's that's quite a common thing. Don't do that. Um, a lot sure. of these people get jobs, though. So <sighs> I hate the industry. Um, um, so yeah. So no, she 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 isn't singing the score, in my opinion. No, because I, actually, one of the things, and just to talk about how great the music is again, um, one of the things <laughs> uh, I love about it. So Patti Lapone, for example, fabulous. She's no unstoppable. She is, um, but she's no stranger to saying how she thinks Android Weber is an absolute bastard yeah. who hates women because he wrote Evita like mm-hmm. this, um, yeah. and how it can't, she can't sing it. No one can sing it. No one can and, sing it. Uh, it's damaging and dangerous, etc., yeah. etc. Yeah. Et um, I mean, I think a lot of that's Patty being yeah. Patty. Also, like love Patty Lapone. Have you seen the subtitled version of her singing? What's yeah, of course. Buenos Aires? Of course. Of great. Course. It'll be in the show notes because it's required viewing. Um... Absolutely. It's great. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that's like 
Prime Patty as well. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Prime Patty. Um, I think she's incredible. She's the That's the cash squad I listen to the most. Of course. Followed closely behind by Eleanor. Sorry, Fine. Elaine. I'm just not that into you. Um, but what was I saying? Yeah. I think writing... So he writes it right in the tessitura of the female voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's... Uh, it, is dif- it is difficult. And it, he... And I don't know whether this was Patty or whether this was him, it's him. or the musical director, but someone uh, has made her sing it as a belt. Yeah. I think it's Patty because it's Patty. Yeah. Um, and, but, 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 mm-hmm. I think it works so well because what it does True. is it creates this atmosphere, this vibe of like desperation and intensity. Yeah, and it's like this relentless sound, yeah, um, which drives this plot forward. Like it really, really does. It, a lot of the time, it's not nice. It's not like a nice listen. No, if you think of something, it's not a pure um, tone. Yeah, yeah. If you think of something like um, "Good Night" and "Thank You," whoever, um, when they get into their clashy harmony, mm-hmm. yeah, it's sensational because yeah. it is. It's that like. These two forces, yeah, like fighting, and she yeah. is right there on a. Yeah. It is incredible. Yeah, but I do, I don't, I don't want to get too far past this because it does. As much as we joke about me not liking Andrew Lloyd Webber, it is one of the things that burns me to the core about him is that mm-hmm. he does not take his singers into account, and like that's a thing to do. Mm-hmm. To take your singers into account, like. Sondheim jokes all the time about how Send in the Clowns is his bizarre, somehow most popular piece of music. Mm-hmm. And he wrote it for Judy Dench specifically because she had problems singing. Mm-hmm. And that's why it is structured the way it is. Like you can find interviews where Stephen Sondheim goes, Isn't it rich? Breathe, breathe. Aren't we a pair? Breathe, yeah. breathe. Like it's a song written so that you can sing it and i i find it such a douchey artistic move to be like "Mm, well this is the music and the only way to express the art is through the music and if you can't do the music then you can't do the art like i you fundamentally disagree because fine without that you don't get any creativity everything is yeah, just safely a... within the realms of a person's voice and then how do you stretch people because the thing is you can stretch day, people yeah at the end of the day she still sang it elena rogers sings the fuck out of it like true people but, can sing it but like d- traditionally so much so that it's entered into urban legend people don't play evita eight times a week like it's one of the only lead roles with a built-in second where like your uh-huh. your understudy is assumed to go on part of the time because singing it all week is impossible. But if we look at something like opera, you have Which... a complete. But you have a completely similar vibe yeah. there, and I, he, well... he wrote this as an as an opera, and I think like it it gets close to being yeah. in that world. You also just need to look at something like Elphaba, like yeah. Which it's... also, like Stephen Schwartz, has similar not bringing the key down. Stories. Yeah, but we're looking at two of the most iconic and important men in musical theater. Yes, like... but but I but would Defying Gravity be any less impactful if the first time you heard it, it was a whole step lower? Um, 
Potentially. I don't know. I've never heard it a whole step lower. Right. But if you had never heard it a whole step higher, no one would know. But what I would say... No, you would, because someone would cover it a whole step higher and be like... Right, and that'd be later and it'd be fine. Um, But what I would say is with Evita, Uh it's been taken down however many steps from Madonna and it's not as impressive. That's true. I guess I am speaking outside both ends of my ass. Like, it's, it's... I just think it's needed. It is totally necessary. It's hard. It is extremely hard. And, like, the character doesn't stop singing. Yeah, Um, ever. The whole show. That's really, really challenging. Um, So if if it takes that, you know, the actor has to take a couple of nights off in order to give this performance, so kind of so be it. Like, what you get is this really interesting piece of art and vocal Olympics. Yeah. um, I just, I'm not... I'm into... I do think this is a different in our assumptions, but I'm not in true into vocal Olympics at the, you know, as a trade-off for good storytelling. And I think, I don't think it quite, because they have taken steps to avoid that, but I think it, it peters on that edge, at least in its writing. Like this will be, mm. I I think it might just be Patty being Patty and being very vocal because certainly I've not read anything. Please listeners send me something. Um, I've not necessarily gone out and looked for this, but I've not seen a lame page be like, this is the hardest, you know what I mean? This yeah. ruined my life. I was depressed after doing, like, and I'm not taking away from Patty's experience here. Like, right. it, it was really tougher. That's absolutely yeah. fine. And um, and also she has plenty of reason now to shit talk Andrew Lloyd Webber every second she gets. So you want 100%. Exa- exactly. Yeah. Um, but, like, just, I don't know. She still did. Like she yeah, nailed. Like that's, that's true. She, like, she still did it. it, and it's. I would. I mean, I don't think you'd disagree, but I think Patty's performance is still the definitive performance of the. That's show. the one I always will listen to because of that. Because it is there on her voice. Because yeah. it, it has that break. Um, it, in fact, to to pull out a uh, a story that we have both experienced when we mm. chatted to Britain Ashford. Yeah. Um, uh, during Comet. Mm-hmm. And she said that Dave, who writes a lot of music for her specifically, mm-hmm. always writes in that part of her voice that he she hates singing in because yeah. it creates this vulnerable sound. Yeah. Like, that's just... that Like, uh, ballet choreographers mm-hmm. won't panic about their uh, prima ballerina having yeah. to exert themselves because they know they can yeah um, and they know that when they do they'll yeah. give the performance of a lifetime yeah i don't know i find this such a touchy subject like all these things like pushing your physical boundaries for a performance like there's plenty of stories of like ben platt like pushing himself too far during dear evan hansen yeah um you know there's all sorts of stories which always like drive me nuts and really hit me hard like um of like crappy fight choreographers or like bad intimacy choreography that happens yes. in shows that like pushes these boundaries and i get i get super nervous and prickly about these things because i think i think like there's definitely times when it, particularly with the intimacy stuff yeah it but doesn't like, get handled well at all but i feel like this is a diff this is a different thing yeah i i i want like where do you draw the line because we're just talking about using our bodies to perform a thing and Certainly you should push yourself and challenge yourself, but like if you're needing to get throat shots every night to complete your performance. She wasn't. Are you sure? 
I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I don't think, especially, I don't think that was a a, a big thing there because Maybe nothing had been thing. written like this. Yeah, you know. What I yeah, mean? I um, don't know. It makes it make it makes me nervous. I I do I I do understand it, but I just feel like, and it is contrav, but good art takes risks. Yeah, true. Good art takes risks. Um, and I I I haven't heard her say it, but I've never heard her say that she regrets doing it. True. What's her most popular role? She won her think, Tony. Do like, you think she regrets it? I don't think she regrets her most popular. I role. I just really Patty hope. It, I'd hope that she didn't. I can understand why she would hate it. Yeah. Why she really wouldn't enjoy it. But um, I'd be sad if she. Yeah, if she like if she like feels anyway. feels damaged by it emotionally or physically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess just because her performance means a lot to me, so I'd be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, no, that's yeah. Legit. So that's that's my thoughts there. Yeah, um, but El- Elena Rogers nails it. Yeah, true. I think she said, "I'll need to try and find this interview because I read it a while ago." Mm-hmm. Um, I think she said that uh, the reason why Patty struggled so much mm-hmm. is because um, she's American, <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's to do with like where she speaks. Oh, it's yeah, kind of it's kind of nonsense. Uh, because... No, I'll believe that. We'll bring up the subtitled version again of Patty Lapone singing. <laughs> no, but as in like, you know, she doesn't speak up here. She's not speaking up in her high voice. She speaks down here, and she, yeah, one, well, I'm sure she makes very her, forward. It's Patty Lapone, and she drives all of her files real wide, and like hammers yeah. it home like a sledgehammer. No, yeah, totally. And Which, so, uh-huh. what Elena Rogers was basically saying, like, it's much easier if you're speaking up here. But like Elaine Page does not right. speak also. up here as well. But she was fine. So I. I do think this is the opportune moment to transition into talking about casting this show, Jeremy. Yes. I came from the people, they need to adore me. The Christian beyond me, from my head to my toes. I need to be dazzling, I want to be rainbow how do you cast this show well i think it's really tricky um yeah, and, and the thing is as well, I'm almost quite hesitant to go on about it because I feel like we talked about it two podcasts ago. That's true. This exact I, same conversation. And um, I think some of the exact same incidents as well. Yeah. Uh, so I, 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 it's one of those things. We didn't get any answers then. No. The thing, I can't see us getting any answers now. So the thing that like colors it for me is mm. this is a, a Euro musical written by white Europeans casting basically white Europeans as Argentinian roles in its initial production. Mm-hmm. Um, and like does kind of lean into some of that like West side story discussion we talked about. Yeah. Yeah. Like, can you ever do a racially appropriate casting of this? Um, and I've seen articles and we'll put one in the show notes that say things like any production of Evita will always be whitewashed no matter how hard you try. Um, and 
part like the social justice person person in me is like yeah and the person in me who likes evita is like but i like evita and i want to hear it again um you know this this controversy hit chicago while i was there super hard there was we talked about it um north shore music theater um did a like pretty much completely non-latinx production of evita and people raised hell over it rightly so um and there's there's this quote here, which I don't think I'll read the entire thing about. Um, but Bill Haney, the artistic director, said this thing that I want to. I'm I'm reserving my opinion about it because I want to know what you think. Um, mm-hmm. But he said when approached with this controversy of casting a very white woman as Evita, saying that there's no part in the story uh, that speaks to events happening to her, Evita, or not happening to her because of her race, nor are her actions motivated, motivated by her race. Um, and he brings up Maria von Trapp and a couple other people in musicals who are like, they're from musicals where nationality and race aren't a thing. So if the race isn't part of a narrative, the race doesn't need to be part of the casting. Yeah. This seemed like, an, this is something we haven't talked about. Yeah, not hugely, but I think it's um, it's a solution that a lot of people offer. Yeah, for a lot of shows, um, the the time that I've heard it the most actually was when what was the instance of it? It was a Billy Elliot. Mm-hmm. One of the Billies was black. Okay, um, his mum was white, mm-hmm. uh, and there was naturally it's Britain. There was outcry. Right. Um, because that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, and they were like, no, we're just casting completely colorblind. Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's how the uh, Andy Mientis Tommy in Denver, um, mom and dad to Tommy were black yes, and white. Yes, of course. Young Tommy was white, middle Tommy was black, and then Andy Mientis was white. Yeah. Um, which certainly drew gasps from the Denver audience. <laughs> I was like, God, everyone get over it. Um, yeah. So I've heard, so I've heard it from that respect of like, right. uh, it, it it doesn't it doesn't matter what race they are, we're talking about this part of the story. Yeah. Um, so what I think com- kind of comes just in here though is just the classic white privilege thing. Like, yeah, it's not our, none of these are our stories to tell. Like, um, right. You know when. Yeah, it's it's. It, but the, it is. the thing is, is like we're going to end up not being able to do anything, right? Um, yeah, and and that's tricky too. But I I don't know. I just feel like um, it, so. For example, that take the the recent Broadway. Mm-hmm. You've got Elena. You've got Ricky Martin. Yeah, certainly Latinx front. in their own way. Yeah. Yep, and then you've got Michael Severus. Mm-hmm. Not. Uh, so, like, this is the question then. You hit Michael Severus and you're like, oh, is Michael... You suddenly ask the question, is Michael Severus Latino? Does he identify as Latino? And this is where these things become, like, super multifaceted super quickly. A lot of the very important and correct responses to Bill Haney, the um, the artistic director of North Shore Music Theater, first off started by saying, well, hold on, Latinx is not a race it is a culture because people identify that way and come from all sorts of different countries and like already the idea of race is kind of problematic to begin with Mm -hmm. um 
And so already we're in problematic territory here. And so then a lot of the other discussions from Latino and Latina actors started talking about, like, even if Evita is this white person's dis- discussion of being Latin, whatever, um, you know, how- however you want to phrase that, um, y- y- then it is important that someone with that background who are- or who identifies as having that background can portray that story, especially in an industry where those people are underrepresented. Um, and common in all these stories, and why we're struggling to look up Michael Severus. Um, mm-hmm. He's is, Italian-American. That's just like that. Fabulous. Um, is like, there is a self-identification there of like, is this your culture? Um, is this something that you consider a part of who you are? Which yep. also is a whole nother can of worms, um, you know. And, and I do, I do think there is an important and difficult to talk about worm of truth in your statement that like we're never going to be able to do anything if we go too far down this path. Yeah. But on the other hand, we can't completely ignore this. Um, yeah, not at all. Um, and but it's it. it you know I mean, like. Why should it? Why should it be different for Latin American people? Yeah, like and it why shouldn't. should that be the one that you ignore? Right. What makes? Right. Yeah. But like you know, the are you going to start protesting productions of Brigadoon? Um, no, but I, again, I, I'm not. My race isn't Scottish. Okay. But your culture is like. This this is the and like this is this is a this is a what about this argument so like it already is losing its validity but it is an interesting thought experiment to be like where you know is it just maybe that's it maybe it's in the underrepresented and like as long as you are doing things to bring up the underrepresented like casting the black kid as medium Tommy and Tommy or yeah. you know uh, what's is it. Kristoff in Frozen, yeah. um, who you know, like I, pardon my ignorance, but I don't think there are too many black people in Scandinavia, Switzer, Norway in Frozen time, um, and just kind of diving past that and that being fine and okay because the place is called Arendelle, by the way. Thank you, Scandinavia, Switzer, Norway. Um, the like airing on the side of inclusivity versus exclusivity Mm -hmm. um being aware of our biases being open to like confronting our biases like maybe that's the solution living in the mess like acknowledging the mess as opposed to just hand waving it which i think a lot too many artistic directors and directors especially with vita um like this year this year uh it hit north shore musical theater um there were like four or five regional productions that all had the same specific problem with evita like casting a bunch of white actors yeah um and like read online once or twice you know stay up with this sort of stuff if you're try, if you're doing the research you should be doing to be accurate in your direction historically you should mm-hmm. also be doing the research you should be doing to be accurate in your direction contemporarily yep insensitively yeah. yeah um i guess like the the solution we kind of came to with heights wasn't well, a solution yeah the closest thing to anything that we could get sense of um 
was be as diverse as possible. Like if you can't go whole hog, be as diverse as possible and mm-hmm. promote that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's probably about it, but it's still hard. You know, it's, I think it'll be a, I'm interested to watch the industry continue to grapple with it for like the next decade, at least. Good luck in seeing anything changing. Yeah. Especially at the true. moment. Yeah, especially at the moment. God. Um, the other tricky one is what what I'd worry about mm-hmm. is so we have a we have a race problem obviously to do with writers. Yeah. Um, and a huge dearth of writers of color. Yeah. Uh, what I would worry about is that people, for fear of getting backlash. Mm-hmm. Stop writing your Candra and Ebbs, for example, mm-hmm. your Android Webers, your Tim Rices, for example. Stop using their position of power right. to tell these underrepresented stories. Yeah. Um, because the people who they happen to aren't giving being given the opportunity to do it. Yeah. I would worry that they would stop telling them because they don't want the repercussions. Right. And then we lose sight of the world. Yeah. Because fighting that fight fighting yeah. the the writing side of things yeah that isn't visible yeah right you don't see that side of things you don't see composers right but i do think this is a a contemporary problem like i don't i can't think of times in the past where we called out authors for like you know writing about histories that they don't know but we are entering that world um no you know for better or for worse i don't know if it's for better or for worse um but i i I agree i see that as a huge future problem like if you if you only write what you know we live in a boring world um and and obviously the solution there is well pave the way for yeah writers of color yeah but at the moment the, the kind of world that's fostered yeah for musical theater yeah is a white word you know what i mean like yeah that is it, from it's, a very early it's like age. your your responsibility becomes like bring someone up the ladder with you like mm-hmm. let let lin-manuel miranda write the spanish lyrics for the revival of west side story like yeah. do your research bring the people into the world that are going to inform the story make it authentic make it a part of whatever you're not and if you reach the point where you're out of your bailiwick like throw up your pen and give it to someone else um yeah. you know or co-list them whatever do that um which that i like that's powerful and then shine a spotlight on it like make don't let that sort of thing hide in the shadows um yeah. you know even like if we're talking about the revival of once on this island and all the work the artistic team did to like go to you know places they're not from and do the research that they need to do um that's important even if it's not their specific story they're bringing someone else's authentic story to the stage yeah as best they can yeah totally and i think that's all we really can do at the moment yeah until i don't know a whole world's attitude changes yeah sunshine and rainbows and you know when musical theater saves the world rainbows yeah evita we could do a tour of one. You see hey. how I did that? Brought it back around. Totally intentional so too. <sighs> Don't rub it in. I just feel like to conclude to conclude on Evita, um, you know, we're not finished on the Android Weber shows. 
um unfortunately uh-huh but i think you need to you need to um you need to try you need to try here to be an objective musical theater fan because i feel like you hate cats so much that it's tarred your view on mm-hmm. everything else I like how at the beginning I assumed you were talking to like you, the audience, and then halfway through I realized you were talking to you, me. <laughs> I was directly talking to you because it's really tricky. It's yeah. tricky because um, I feel like it's a shame because you're then missing out on some really great That's artistry I because do, you put up the wall. I do, I do very much enjoy Evita. Can I tell you we so we did Evita in college. I was my sophomore year, so it was part of the. You know, everyone had their own jokes because we all had seen it. Um, I had this friend uh, who had a proclivity to, like, get mildly or majorly intoxicated in places where he didn't know where he was. And then panickedly call one in our friend group to be like, I don't know where I am. Will you help me get home? There was one day he called us and he said, I'm at the beach. My college was in central Illinois. There's no water for hundreds of miles. How could you be at the beach? Turns out he was in a sandbox outside of a scuba dive store. Um, (laughs) We walked him home. It was fine. And the way to get to his apartment, you climb up the staircase at the outside of his apartment, which has like Mm -hmm. a door and a little balcony. And like, we're finally there. We like stumbled all the way home. We got him there. He walks up the staircase. He turns with his house key in his hand and goes, I'm Evita! And throws the key somewhere into the darkness of the bushes of the lawn. And we had to spend like another hour and a half finding his key because he was a Vita. That's my experience with a Vita. <laughs> oh my gosh. I could, that would make me hate it. <laughs> I get it now. This is actually the root of all of your hatred That's of it. Android Weber. It's where it started. That was the seed. <laughs> Interaction. Searching for keys. Uh. 2 a.m. Um, fun story, speaking about uh, the balcony, uh-huh. uh, to end in a Patti LuPone triumph moment. Yes. Um, so obviously Elaine Page had originated it, mm-hmm. and they were really trying to recreate Elaine Page's performance within Patti LuPone. Don't, mm-hmm. don't do that. Um, <laughs> so the arms, the iconic arms. Iconic arms, yeah. Have the, like, ever so slightly obtuse mm-hmm. right angle mm-hmm. um the hands pass her forward uh that's what elaine did that's mm-hmm. what eva peron did quite a lot um they're doing some photo shoots for the the promo and they're like i actually patty just do the arms the way that elaine did them was just like this she was like that's not how i do my arms <laughs> I do my arms like this, and she she stretches them straight out. Uh huh. Um, they obviously have a big back and forth about naturally. this naturally. Um, Patty returns to them with a photo of Eva Peron, arms fully stretched out, <laughs> and that's the image that they used. And it's I what, think, well done, Pat. It's what they call getting Patty Laponed. You just got Patty Pound. Was that you? Did you make that video? We don't need to talk about it. It's fine. Was it you? Yes. Oh, 
<laughs> that's, that's, there you go. That's impressive, though. That was just a. Uh, yeah. That's from Juilliard graduate Patty Lapone. One of my ah, few fantastic musical videos. Quite a lot just... of people still quote that. That's not live... something you're going to live down. I live a weird existence. You do. Very well shot, though. Very impressive. Thank you. Thank you. I don't think you get enough plaudits for it. It took me a long time alone in my apartment. Yep. More <laughs> so than any other of your videos, I imagine. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I Is want to that think depressing? about that too hard. Yeah, a little bit. If we're talking about like filming time, most of the time I'd just be like, ah, this doesn't need to film. I'll just put an animated graphic over it. It's fine. Most of the time I just don't make videos now. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yep. But that's fine. Me neither. Hey, look YouTube's, at us. YouTube's crap now. YouTube it's not our is, fault. is a little crap now. Yeah, it's, it's good. Really after crap. we left, the whole platform went down the drain. Exactly. I was holding that place. <laughs> she had her moments. She had some style. Best show in town was the crowd. Outside the Casa Rosada, crying Ava Perot. But that's all gone now. Ava, beware your ambition. Screw the middle classes. I will never accept them. And they will never deny me anything again. My father's other family were middle class. And we were kept out of sight, hidden from view. Seems crazy, but you must believe There's nothing calculated, nothing planned Please forgive me if I seem naive I would never want to force your hand But please understand Fantasy of the bedroom and the saint. Santa, Santa, Evita. Madre de todos los niños. Que los tiranes amen. Que los desgraciados. Sing your poem, but you got it wrong. Draw your prayer because you haven't got long. The queen is dead, your king is poor. She's not coming back to you. That, Jimmy, was a Vita. I had a great time. The chorus when they sing Don't Cry For Me, Argentina, at the gay bar in Chicago, is Don't cry for me, I'm a diva. The truth is I have no talent. 
All through the 80s, you bought my LPs. What were you sing- thinking, you silly? And then they say a derogatory word meaning gay men. It's very funny. Brilliant. That's funny. And I then like she, that ending. And then um, she, she says, have I said too much? And everyone goes, yes! <laughs> no, like, actually, she has some moments where I'm like, that was quite impressive, Madonna. Well, I'm um, glad you feel that way. But they're they're not singing moments. No, they're not like moments. This, I thought her speech was really good. Okay, and I might have been her, a, I the, might have like, been asleep by then. It was quite good as well. But that's that's it. Anyway, <laughs> um, hey, hey, I got equipment for you. I'm ready. This musical shares its poster title font with Nirvana's album covers. Did I say that right, Nirvana? Nirvana. Can you sing me a Nirvana song? Yeah. Um, We are Nirvana. This is our Nirvana song. Which is actually, we're not going to take it, which is by The Who. But, you know, I was was getting close-ish in pop. Never mind. Digging my hole deeper. (laughs) I'm just not going to see anything anymore. (laughs) If you would like to get in touch with us, you absolutely can, and please do. Come and find me over on Twitter. I'm at Asin Hendricks. And I'm Musical Mash on Twitter, Musical Theater Mash on YouTube, or check out our show Twitter at Jim and Tomic, or our website, jimandtomic.com. It has a link to our Reddit discussion where we'll be chatting up a storm about Evita, um, and it also has a link to our Patreon where you can support us if you would like. And we thank all our current Patreons. Patreons? Patrons? By the way, we absolutely do. Yeah, thank you, you guys, so much. You guys rock. We're and, and in general, we're super. Every time we start this show, before Jimmy and I start recording, we just talk about how excited we are about hearing new people who are listening to this, and like, you know, be like, "Oh, I just discovered this thing," or "Oh, I've been listening to this forever." Like, it really does bring us a lot of joy that oh, there are people out there oh. who listen to this. <laughs> Like, I genuinely, like, I can't describe how often I refresh the Reddit page to yeah. be like, has anyone you added a comment? No. <laughs> I imagine <laughs> you do a similar thing. I do. I don't reply, but I do. <laughs> but you're always watching. I'm always watching. <laughs> Just like Evita Perone. Right. I do reply to them, so come and say things. Anyway. I want you to picture my face painted poorly in like a 1980s style in a giant poster on the side of a building like smiling a little bit with really red lipstick and like bleach blonde hair always watching like Evita Perone Jimmy doesn't understand that's fine what was that interaction that we just had there it's just, it's just you know I'm always watching like Evita Perone as a giant poster it's fine someone else will understand we'll see you next week Bye. Bye. <laughs> do you mean like as in Eva like Peron? all the all the posters of Evita that are painted on the walls with like her big face? She's like staring down at everyone. But why did you say the eighties? Because that's when I don't know the forties. Yeah, and it came out in the late 70s, which is basically the 80s. Yeah, but the posters were... Don't don't dive into my metaphors too deep. (laughs) 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.